The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to FAPC.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Let us listen together for God's word as it echoes to us from Mark chapter 1, beginning with the ninth verse. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Each year, as we move into the season of Lent, the Christian season of prayer, reflection, and purple stoles, we revisit the story of Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness. We often call our Lord's sojourn in the desert the temptation of Christ. And why not? Passages in Matthew and Luke describe a dramatic contest between Christ and the devil. In, in these stories, the prince of darkness circles Jesus like a buzzard. The rabbi's surroundings are bleak, a stark, unforgiving landscape. The devil's timing is, well, diabolical. He appears when, when Jesus has been weakened by 40 days of fasting. The evil one dangles food and power and glory before the starving man. The devil and Jesus then debate these enticements like barbed arrows. They send scripture quotations flying back and forth. The stakes are high. Will Jesus give in to temptation? That's how it goes in Matthew and Luke. But this year, our guide through Lent is Mark. And in keeping with Mark's overall terse style, his account of Jesus in the wilderness is sparse, barren, like the landscape of a desert. Here, the entire episode flashes by in one succinct verse. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Thin on detail, Mark still manages to conjure up an evocative image. Uh, verse 13 sounds like something a person might utter after wandering through the desert for weeks. 
struggling to move his cracked lips as, as water from our canteen runs out the corners of his mouth. Mark croaks, 40 days, Satan, wild beasts, angels. Now, is that any way to start a holy season? In his book, The Solace of Fierce Landscapes, Belden C. Lane, professor of theological studies at St. Louis University, writes about the truth the desert teaches. Lane claims that the power of the desert is, is not its ability to make us tougher, to turn us into survivalists. Instead, Lane focuses on the desert's ability to strip things bare. His book makes me think of of Georgia O'Keeffe's paintings of cow skulls in the landscape of New Mexico. O'Keeffe was fascinated by desert bones, bleached by the sun, scrubbed by blowing sand, free from any flesh, any decay. She once commented that to me they are strangely more living than the animals walking around. Perhaps this is the desert's mystical ability. Its topography scrubs away at frailty and decay, leaving only the pure, sun-bleached essence of a creature behind. Is that what the good book is after? Does, does scripture want us to picture Jesus sandblasted into purity? Or is there more going on out there in the desert? In the early days of Christianity, the desert played a crucial role in people's faith. During the second century, the, the Christian faith was frequently practiced in secret. Fearing persecution, baptisms, and the Lord's Supper were celebrated in the back rooms of believers' houses. And, and as Roman persecution grew, some Christians moved to the outskirts of civilization to off-the-grid wilderness locales like Cappadocia in Turkey or the Skedis Desert in northern Egypt. Skedis was, was home to a group of believers who we now call the desert mothers and fathers, mystics, monks, and nuns with peculiar names and wonderful stories. There was Pacomius, a Roman soldier who had been captured in Egypt. A, a Christian couple brought Pacomius food while he was in prison, and he was so moved by their charity that he became one of the faithful himself. Pacomius started one of the first ever monasteries in the world. And, and there was Ama Sincletica, a wealthy woman from Alexandria who gave her fortune to the poor and who founded a community in the desert for Christian women. And then there's my personal favorite, Abba Moses the robber. Abba Moses was a notorious Ethiopian bandit who converted to Christianity after being shown kindness by desert monks. Abba Moses is now venerated by Christians the world over as the patron saint of nonviolence. These people left the urban areas controlled by Rome they entered the wilderness looking for an escape, for a different life, 
Although in making this move, they discovered something else. In this stark context, they found a wise teacher. It's difficult to imagine what sort of wisdom this harsh and barren landscape might convey, and yet it was precisely the harshness of the desert that the mystics found so edifying. When you dwell in an unforgiving landscape, subject to extremes of, of heat and cold, in a place where water is scarce and companionship is even scarcer, life is stripped down to its essentials. You have no choice. You, you must focus on the basics to survive. This, this stripping down, this refocusing, reprioritizing can be a painful process, but in the end, it proved a game changer for the desert Christians. After a season in the desert, they realized that most of the things that mattered in the civilized world did not matter in the desert. <laughs> the desert didn't care if you were handsome or if your family was famous. The desert didn't care if you had gold coins in your pockets. The desert didn't care if other people had branded you a sinner or a saint. The trappings of power, authority, money, and social status simply did not matter in the desert. This stripping down, this purging of the soul compelled these early Christians to make the most important spiritual assessment we ever make. Out in the desert, they had to decide what they did and did not care about in life. My friends, we've been in the desert for about a year. This pandemic has thrown us off our stride, shredded our economy, vacuumed up our stamina, depleted our patience, cost us good jobs, separated us from friends, made us terribly anxious, and taken a terrible toll in human lives. It's been a hard season. A few weeks ago, I spoke with an individual who left a message on our pastoral emergency line. She was upset that the church wasn't open for worship, so upset that she was weeping she did not have a computer and had no access to these video services. She was frustrated. I, I told her about the phone number that, that she can use to listen to the service, and she took that number down. Slowly then, though, the conversation shifted. She began telling me about her life. She described when she first came to New York. She told me where her children were born, and where they live now. She explained how she had moved to the West Coast, but then back to New York to be closer to friends last winter, just in time for COVID. She talked about being lonely. She described what she missed about in-person worship, the creak of the pews, people's faces, holding the hymnal, my hymnal, she said, babies getting baptized, 
and even sermons. She said the last part with a cheery laugh. I miss it too, I said. All of it. In writing a poem for Lent, a poem entitled Ash Wednesday, the great T.S. Eliot ended up penning something more like a prayer than a typical poem. The first stanza of his famous work concludes with the following words, teach us to care and not to care. Teach us to sit still. Teach us to care and not to care. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Before our Lord began his earthly ministry, he went out into the desert. What he encountered there sounds scary and harsh. And yes, finally, restorative. Satan, wild beasts, and angels. It was no picnic. The desert is a harsh place, and in so many ways it is an unforgiving place. But there are lessons to be learned there, and life to be found there. Hopefully the desert we've been wandering through these many months has taught us some lasting lessons. The price has been so terribly steep. But leave it to Christianity, to Lent, to Jesus, to remind us that suffering can teach important truths. It can even be redemptive. It can teach us to care and not to care. It can help us let certain things go, small grudges and deep-seated prejudices and cranky obsessions and misguided notions of, of what really matters and, and what it means to come out on top. It, it can focus your attention on creaky pews and people's faces and holding a hymnal and babies getting baptized. The desert can help us to learn to see again. May this Lent, this 40 days, this period of quarantine do exactly that. Bless you on the journey of Lent. Take time to care and not to care. Have courage, hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.